I'm now joined by Rich Powers, head of private equity product at Vanguard, who's obviously one of the world's largest asset managers, currently over $8 trillion in global assets. And I know many listeners of this podcast are very familiar with Vanguard's ETF lineup and certainly their uh, mutual fund offerings as well. But you might not be aware that Vanguard also provides access to private equity. This is in partnership with Harbor Vest, as we'll get into. Uh, Rich is now on the line with me from Pennsylvania. Rich, always a uh, pleasure. Thank you for joining me. Nate, thanks for having me on again. Okay, so as I understand it, uh, Vanguard entered the private equity space back in early 2020 through this partnership with Harbor Vest. And initially, this was aimed at institutional clients. But then in 2021, you expanded access to qualified individual investors as well. And so to start, perhaps give us some more background here, just in terms of why Vanguard got involved in this space and talk about the current offering and who can access this. Sure. Yeah. So uh, we, we've been looking at the private equity markets for a number of years in terms of bringing a product to our clients that could help them improve investment outcomes. And improving investment outcomes is always where we start. Uh, the marketplace has evolved quite a bit. The demands of our clients have, have evolved quite a bit. And, and so uh, you know, the stars aligned in terms of uh, our ability to get comfortable with the, with the market and uh, what we're able to uh, find in terms of partnering with a great firm like HarborVest to bring an offer to our clients uh, you know, a couple of interesting things that kind of happened along the way between when we first started looking at this and ultimately when we, we got involved is you can look at the private equity market and its representation of the global equity market cap. And today it's close to 10% of the total equity market cap is held in private companies. And so more and more of our clients, uh, the, the equity markets was not accessible to our, our clients. And so this is a way for us to uh, bring that to them, improve investment outcomes. And in terms of like what, what we're doing here with HarborVest, uh, this is a, what, what they call in the industry a drawdown fund, so a conventional kind of closed-end fund that's available for qualified purchasers. And what clients end up doing is they commit a pool of capital. That capital is called over a couple of years uh, and allocated across the uh, investment portfolio of HarborVest. Uh, and and what, they're, what we're trying to deliver in this product is really a turnkey solution. Uh, it's diversified across different strategies, so primary and secondary strategies. It's diversified across different stages of companies, be it growth or venture or buyout, and it's diversified globally. And so uh, this is a, a broadly diversified offer that's available to our personal investor organization, which is both self-directed and advised clients, as well as our institutional advisory services business. Okay, and tell us a bit more about HarborVest for people unfamiliar with that firm. Yeah, so HarborVest has a long, long history of investing in private markets, about a 40-year history uh, allocating capital uh, in the private equity market, but also in private credit and other other segments of the market. Uh, And they're a private partnership. And so uh, their alignment in terms of uh, the results that they deliver to their clients is very, very clear. They have a very long-term focus, and their track record's uh, a pretty compelling one. And certainly that, among many other factors, got us very interested and ultimately uh, allowed us to partner with the firm. All right, Rich. So uh, for better or worse, even though Vanguard is one of the world's largest active managers, I think most investors think low-cost index-based investing when they hear Vanguard, right? That uh, if you buy and hold a diversified low-cost portfolio of, say, Vanguard index-based stock and bond funds, over the long run, you'll be in pretty good shape. It's certainly fine if you want to work in some low-cost active management as well. 
But I don't think most investors think private equity when they hear Vanguard. And so I'd love to have you explain how this fits into Vanguard's uh, overarching investment philosophy. Essentially, what's Vanguard's case for private equity? Yeah, um, Nate, fair, fair, fair question. I think uh, for a lot of investors, beginning and ending in terms of building a portfolio around it, ETF or index strategy is, is probably the, the right answer. But for, for a number of clients who have the uh, risk tolerance and the time horizon, uh, the opportunity to invest in active managers and uh, private equity managers it, uh, can be rewarding, right? And so we always, I'll go back, we always start with the investment merit of, of a strategy. And in the case of uh, the, the private equity markets, the literature here is pretty compelling, that, that the results can be uh, very rewarding for an investor who's able to go out, invest in the private markets, and select top quality managers. But I think that last point is a really important one, right? Uh, it's, not, it's not okay simply to invest in private equity and get the market beta and be satisfied with that because there's lots of cost and complexity that go into the private markets. And so most investors wouldn't be any better off by choosing the median private equity manager. And so you, you need to be able to identify those firms that are going to be able to deliver value for your clients over the long run. And this is where the long history of Vanguard working with active managers comes into play. We've, as, as we've talked about in the past, we have 40-plus years of working with great public equity managers to deliver value for our clients. We've ported that skill over here to select uh, a really great partner in HarborVest to, to do the same for our clients, but in the private markets. And so lots of, lots of history here for us to point to in terms of our ability to differentiate uh, the solid manager from the great manager. I'm curious, since this offering has been live, so a, a few years now, what are you hearing from investors on why they do or why they don't decide to add private equity to their portfolios through you? Because I would say the prototypical Vanguard investor is a uh, special breed, right, in a good way. And so I'm curious how they're viewing this offering. Yeah, I think for those clients who who have decided to take advantage of the offer, uh Things like the excitement of being able to access strategies that were historically only available to very large and sophisticated institutions was compelling. Uh, a number of our clients knew who HarborVest was, and so their reputation and their track record preceded them and certainly uh, has been intriguing to those clients, and that's allowed them to uh, uh, ultimately get comfortable and make allocations here. Uh, obviously, I think the most important reason why an investor has decided they wanted to uh, take advantage of this offering is the fact that there's a potential to improve investment outcomes and performance here, right? So depending upon the success of the investment portfolio and the allocation a client makes, you could be talking about adding about 100 basis points of total return to an overall client portfolio. And in an environment where returns are relatively low, uh, that certainly has uh, lots of appeal. Now, now not, not everyone is taking us up on this who, who qualifies. And uh, that, that's not surprising to us. And I, I would bucket the reasons why into three groupings. So the first reason why investors haven't taken advantage of the offering is the illiquid nature of the product, right? It's a 14-year term fund. Uh, and even though your capital isn't locked up for a 14-year window of time, uh, that, 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 uh, that risk, I think, for some clients uh, certainly uh, has kept them at bay. Uh, complexity is probably uh, an, another reason why clients have chosen not to allocate yet. Um, for example, you need to file tax extensions, uh, and there's a lot more paperwork involved in signing up for a private equity fund versus, say, 
buying VTI uh, on Vanguard.com. Uh, and then the last thing, and this probably won't be surprising to you, is education. Mm-hmm. You know, for a lot of our clients, private markets are a new concept or something they haven't invested in before. And so, as you can imagine, we spend a lot of time educating them on what it is, what it's not, the value prop, and what you need to be aware of. In terms of that education, and I don't want to get too far into the weeds here, but one of the criticisms uh, that is commonly heard regarding private equity is how uh, the underlying investments are marked to market, or I, or I guess not marked to market. And I can actually see some behavioral benefits here in that optically uh, PE provides a smoother ride because of that. It doesn't appear quite as volatile. Do you have any comments around that topic? I, I guess that would be the pro that I just gave. Are, are there cons here? Uh, I think uh, it's, it's, it's an education uh, conversation really for us. And, you know, unlike the uh, public equity markets where you can get second-by-second valuations every every hour the market is open uh, for those companies to private markets, most frequently they're valued on a quarterly basis. So I, I think one thing to always step back and think about is, is the economic value of a given public equity changing second-by-second? Second? It's not, but it, it, what, what the evaluation changes reflect is the perception of, secondary market participants on the value of the cash flows that that company has created. Uh, there's not a secondary market for incorporating that type of perspective for um, private companies because they're pretty closely held. And so uh, you have to rely on these quarterly valuations. And there's a variety of mechanisms that are done there. There's discounted cash flow. There's an asset-based approach. There's a market comps approach to valuing. So I, I think there's a uh, the critique probably is lots of discretion is left to the owner of the company to value that business. And, and maybe that leads to overvaluing uh, when markets are really frothy and maybe not marking it down as much when, when markets start to slide. But, but I think you, what you always have to come back to is what are the incentives for a pu- private equity owner to, to do that, right? Uh, ultimately, the way they're going to create value for their end clients, their limited partners in their fund is through some type of a realization of selling that company either to another strategic buyer or through an IPO. And if they've been carrying it at a higher valuation than it deserves, uh, that's going to be reflected when that transaction happens. And that's just simply not – it doesn't really happen with, with great regularity in, in this marketplace. And if it did, uh, the jig would be up for that, uh, that manager in terms of their uh, bias towards uh, higher valuations. And so uh, I understand why there could be some skepticism here, but I think the, the data would prove that – uh, you know, valuations are, you know, there's kind of an art and science to it, uh, and, and by and large, the valuations are, are on target. Is there any concern that as access to private equity broadens through platforms such as yours, maybe its return attributes erode? That's something we always uh, hear in the ETF space, right, that as access to asset classes or strategies is, uh, quote-unquote, democratized, there's this risk that any potential alpha gets arbitraged away. I don't know that I fully agree with that, but I'm curious, any thoughts around that as it pertains to the private equity space? Yeah, I understand the line of thinking there. And you know, certainly we can look at the public active equity manager universe as, as a, an example where perhaps some of that intense competition uh, is challenging, right? Uh, they're encountering ubiquitous availability of data on all the underlying companies, the, the high-level processing available in the market by fundamental managers or quants to take and distill all this publicly available information into what ultimately the value of a company should or shouldn't be. And as a result, what you see is 
the, the difference in the performance for the best performing U.S. equity active managers and the worst performing can be measured in hundreds of basis points. Um, and, and that, that resets over a universe of around 4,000 or so public companies. Uh, if you look at private markets, there's about 60,000 TE-backed companies in the U.S., and they don't file public reports, as we, as we were just talking about, and they don't hold analyst calls. And so there's a real opaqueness and information asymmetry and, and really highlights the importance of access and relationships for many of these private equity managers um, to create differences in return profiles between the best and worst managers. There, you're talking about the difference between the best and worst manager could be measured in the thousands and thousands of basis points. And so um, you know, there's no doubt there's going to be some competition that uh, as more and more investors invest in the private market, it's going to make it more challenging for private equity managers to repeat what they've done in the past. Uh, but certainly, I think what we have to recognize is there's a fundamentally different marketplace that they're operating in than, say, what a, an active public equity manager is dealing in. Rich, just a couple of minutes left here. Obviously, every investor is different. And so this isn't intended to be investment advice in any way, shape or form. But I'm assuming Vanguard believes private equity should come out of the equity sleeve in a portfolio. Is that correct? So uh, say someone has a 60-40 portfolio and they want to allocate maybe 15% to PE. Should that come out of the 60? Yeah, I mean, I appreciate the disclaimer at the outset there uh, that this is not advice in any way, shape, or form. But, yeah, I mean, we've done work here, and I think the academic evidence would suggest that uh, the same drivers that drive returns for public companies exist on the private side, just at different timelines, as we kind of talked about before. And ultimately, that's cash flows that the underlying companies uh, are generating. And so when we engage with clients, I think uh, there's a, uh, a conversation that starts with, if you're going to allocate to private equity, that allocation should come from your public equity portfolio. And the driver of how much really depends upon that person's tolerance for illiquidity and for active management. So somebody with a really high tolerance for both of those, maybe 30% of their equity portfolio should be allocated to private equity. And for someone at the opposite end of the spectrum, but still that, that, um, maybe he doesn't have as much uh, liquidity, illiquidity risk or, or tolerance or tolerance for active management, maybe a, a good starting point is 10%. Once you start doing making allocations smaller than that, I think it ultimately kind of calls into question how much value can be derived from a private equity allocation. But uh, you know, I think what we see in terms of the client conversations we have is kind of 30% is kind of towards the, the upper end of what, what clients would feel comfortable with and 10% is, is usually kind of a starter position for those clients who are maybe less familiar or just have a lower tolerance. And you alluded to this uh, earlier, but just to be clear, for investors who are interested in this uh, offering, how exactly do they access this this private equity uh, platform? And are there any minimums or other limitations uh, in terms of the investments? Just any high-level nuances? Yeah, this is a, a different type of product relative to uh, all the other products that you all, you all are familiar with in the ETF and mutual fund form. So uh, this this uh, fund is only available within our personal investor organization for both the self-directed and advised clients who are qualified purchasers. That that like a shorthand way of thinking about that is they have more than $5 million of investable assets. And then it's also available to our institutional advisory services clients. Think of them as endowments, pensions, and foundations where we act as a bit of an outsourced CIO. So it's, it's not available for, across the entire Vanguard platform, only only through those two businesses. Uh, 
yeah, the other kind of dimensions to, to the fund are, as I mentioned earlier, it's kind of a 14-year life. Capital is called over the first few years of time. You're not putting in the capital right away, but uh, the capital, and then it's distributed over time, but a 14-year life for the funded funds investments. And and then uh, you know, th- those capital calls happen over the that front half of that the time horizon, so call it the first five or so years. So a, a client, say, if they're committing a million dollars, they're not allocating a million dollars right away. It's drawn down over the first five, five, or, five or so years as HarborVest is making investments on their behalf. Well, Rich, really appreciate the uh, insight. Again, I think this will open some investors' eyes hearing about Vanguard's private equity offering. Very interesting. Thank you for joining me. Uh, thanks for the opportunity to chat with you again. That was Rich Powers, head of private equity product at Vanguard.